you. I'd, I'd love to meet you before you go. Um, if you get a chance, I agree, fill the Connect card out. We can figure out how we might better serve you or pray for you or things like that. Um, a couple announcements, again, to think about. Um, next week is Father's Day, so if you're not thinking about that yet, please start thinking about it. Um, you might remember from Mother's Day, it's, Father's Day is a lot like Mother's Day, except you don't have to spend as much on the gift, right? So, um, but that does not have to be true. We can reverse that trend around here. I'm sure you guys try to have equity in the Father's Day, Mother's Day gifts, right? We, we try to. Um, what else do we have? Father's Day, you know, we uh, encourage you to invite your dads, or if you are a dad, we just want to speak to encourage dads. If you have one that you can invite, that'd be great. Um, we usually try to give a Father's Day gift. If you have any good ideas on Father's Day gifts, I'm open to that as well. We've kind of worked through the, uh, oh, you know, like the five-in-one utility knife, and I think... We've had the 6-in-1, the 7-in-1. Um, I think we're up to the 8-in-1 utility knives there. So those aren't bad, but uh, we've had a flashlight. We've had some screwdriver sets. I'm, I'm thinking I might plant a seed with someone to get, like, the Harley-Davidson kind of theme going this year. I don't know what we can do with 5 bucks and Harley-Davidson, but uh, anyways. Um, also, another announcement. So that's next Sunday, Father's Day. The following Sunday, Sunday the 22nd, that weekend we're going to be doing something new. We've been mentioning to you guys, I'll talk more about it here in the message, but we're going to have three locations that weekend. We're going to just be experimenting with um, kind of trying to figure out how to bless more neighbors um, and some on the south side of town. People are commuting a, a long ways from there. I think Luke said it was one hour drive this morning from, from his neck of the woods there. I asked him if, if he did that legally or illegally, and he said it was legal, um, but I don't know. That's, he's, he's a long ways away. North side of town, but we're going to experiment with three locations once a month, just for the summer. We just feel like God is leading us in a little faith venture. We'll have a, a south side location, a north side, and then the central location. And you'll probably, over the next week, I think our goal is just to send out some invitations to, um, to those of you who we know and just kind of invite you to one of those different locations you can say, no, I'd rather go to a different one, or you can show up here, or, you know, we'll, we'll just try to get you as much information as we can for that. So um, those are just some of the announcements here. Um, you know, I'm going to uh, maybe just set the table a little bit, and then we'll pray. Uh, this morning, we have our picture up there. We're, we're going to talk this morning. We're, we're shifting gears from our, we've done a series just on characters of the Bible, Old Testament characters and things we can learn from from their lives and their stories. And, you know, for, for this week and the next, you know, next week will be a Father's Day message. But um, this morning I wanted to share just some lessons that I feel like God's been teaching me. And they relate to, to things of, of the vineyard and of the vine. You know, um, really they relate to lessons I feel like God is teaching me as um, my wife and I took a trip about two weeks ago. We um, had saved up for a little getaway trip. We dropped the kids in Omaha with the grandparents. We asked them to train them for us while we were gone to hand them off to us in better condition than we left them. And, so, and then we flew out to, uh, to the Northern California area there. And so it was, it was funny. On the way flying out there, we had a layover in, in Denver. It was kind of like, well, that's, maybe we should go home for a little bit or something. I don't know. But then we went out to San Fran. We'd never been in that area before. It's not like we're wine connoisseurs. But we just thought it would be fun and um, you know, just some time to invest in our marriage and we stayed at a place there in, um, it's in Sonoma Valley, and this, this family just kind of had a, a little apartment studio above their garage, but it was a part of this vineyard right here. And so, really, this was our, uh, 
looking out our back balcony. This was our view of their vineyard. And so, um, you know, it was, it was fun. We learned a lot about wine. Um, we're going to talk a little about that. You do, for this morning, we actually would prefer, we'd like to see your IDs. You need to be 21 years old to listen to this message. No, I'm just joking. Um, uh, at one point, our host, that was, they, we stayed in this studio over their garage, and they had a house that was attached, and they had their pool and things like that, but they shared the whole thing with us there. But at one point, they asked us, you know, so what type of wines do you like, you know? And, and they're very, uh, um, you know, I have a lot of wisdom about wines, a lot of wine knowledge, and we were kind of like, ah. Uh, Red wine? Uh, box wine? Does that count? I don't know. But it was quite the learning experience. We had a, we had a great time there. But um, I do just want to share a few lessons related to the vine and, and the fruits and, and even pruning and things that I feel like God was teaching me that I didn't know I needed necessarily to be taught. And I thought we could apply them in our own lives and in our church here. So we'll go ahead and pray. And then we're going to look at a passage that... Um, that I read that first morning when I was there. So if you guys just, uh, just bow our heads again, we'll pray one more time. <sighs> well, Heavenly Father, we do just thank you for this morning. We thank you for um, just drawing us together here to worship you and um, to have fellowship. And, and Lord, we also pray that this morning we would hear from you. God, maybe we are, are not planning on hearing from you on this subject, but I pray that you would speak to each one of us here related to fruit, the fruit of our lives, related to... Uh, the source of that fruit, and, and pruning for greater fruit. Lord, I pray you would just uh, have your way in each one of our hearts and in our minds that you could accomplish your will uh, with each one of us. And we just ask for that grace here this morning. Uh, we ask you to redeem our few minutes left together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, when we got out there... Um, I, you know, I read the one-year Bible as a part of just my devotional time, so I just flip to the day and uh, start reading. And that day, uh, the first day that we arrived here, um, or that first morning, I, it happened to be my birthday, um, which also happened to be a national holiday this year. I think they're finally coming together. There's Memorial Day, right? And so that was... Uh, that's neat to see those synchronizing a little bit there. But, um, but anyways, when I flipped open my Bible, I'm sitting out with a cup of coffee on this balcony overlooking this vineyard. And when I get to the New Testament section, what do you think that passage was? I am the vine. The I am the vine passage. Anyone know where that is found? John 14. Hot? Close? Near? John 15, all right. There's $10 under the seat right up here if you guys want that. No. Um, what's that? They looked. They didn't find it. All right. Well, I don't know who asked them to do that, but no. Um, just joking. But anyways, I'm going to read that passage to you. And really, just going to read eight verses. John 15, 1 through 8. If you have a Bible, you can look there with me. Um, there, there's a couple at the back of the room there if you need one. Or, uh, or just listen in, and I'll just read that passage here. But uh, it was just... It's just neat. So we're on vacation. We're in the wine country. We're, we've got our own personal vineyard, and, and this is what I'm reading um, that morning. So, and it says this, John 15, 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And so, um, you know, I, I read this passage and I began taking a little prayer walk that morning and I actually walked through the vineyards there and uh, just was thinking on some of these things. At one point, the, the owner, uh, he came out and he's like, what are you doing, you know? And I was like, well, I'm walking your vineyard. And he's like, wow. He's like, after the number of years that we've been doing this, I've never ever had someone walk my vineyard. And so I was like, well, it seemed like a great quiet time spot for me. I don't know. Um, but I didn't tell him that. But, you know, he began to show me things about his vineyard. This place that they bought a few years back, they had about four acres, and they had cleared the land, and he personally planted all the vines here. There's a, he told me they, he ordered 3,200 individual plants that he planted here. And he had the watering system all set up. And he just began to talk me through a lot of things. You know, it was the beginning of the learning curve that was just like straight up for a while there. But... Um, but, you know, it was, it was just neat. And so, um, but I just thought I'd share a couple things from that. You know, one of the things that, that I love about um, this passage, just to start off, is that um, you can kind of catch, uh, you know, I hope we catch God's heart there. You know, it says, Jesus said, I'm, I'm the vine and my father is the gardener. And as I was interacting with this, this host guy here, his name was Doug, he was just walking me through his vineyard and he was just like very... Very proud of his work, very, uh, very involved in what he did. He cared very much about like each little vine, and um, and he just had you know a passion for for the grapes that he was trying to produce there. You know, you don't buy a vineyard and hope that it you know makes good shade, or you don't buy a vineyard just because you're trying to conserve water or things like that. Really, one of the reasons you have it is for the fruit. And one of the things I feel like God's been teaching me is that He desires fruit in your life and in mine, and in our church. And our Father is actively engaged in discipling you and me and pruning our lives so that we can bear the fruit that He wants us to bear. And, and I just caught a sense, this guy really cared about his vineyard, but your Father cares about your life way more than, than Doug and his vines and things there. And, and I just caught a sense about that for our church and, and for my life. And I, I hope you know that that your father has a real interest in your fruit here. And so we're going to fill out some blanks here as we go as well, and uh, you hopefully can follow along. But let's see here. There's a picture of my wife and I in the vineyard there. It was, that was fun. We took a, well, a few pictures, us, just us and the fruit. Um, but let's see what else we have. We have a few more pictures I'll show you as we go. But on your blanks here, you know, um, I'm going to fly through this first section here because uh, my hope is that it's a reminder to you here. We need to know, we need to remember the importance of fruit in our lives. You need to know that. Maybe you haven't learned that before, but the fruit of your life is extremely important to God. Maybe you know that, maybe you knew that once, but I just want to remind you, if you've known that, your fruit is a really big deal. It's, it's a matter of eternity here. And then, um, and, you know, that's to either remind you or let you know that for the first time. So we're going to talk about what, what is fruit and how do I get it and what is this pruning stuff here. But 
Uh, I want to give you a couple reasons why it's really important. One is that um, your fruit identifies you as to whether you're really a true believer or not. You know, there's a place, several places in the Gospels Jesus was talking and he said, you know, by the way, there's going to be some people pretending to be Christians. And he said, you know how you'll know them is by their fruit. This is uh, Matthew 7, 16. By their fruit you'll recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes uh, or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And he goes on to say, thus by their fruit you'll recognize them. You know, and God has a way of saying that by the fruit of your life, God is going to recognize you. Whether you say you're a Christian or, or not, really it's going to come down to what God sees going on in your life, the fruit of your life. And if you claim to be, uh, you know, a, a grape, but you're really pokey and, and bristly, well, you know, kind of the old saying, if it looks like a duck, sounds like a duck, talks like a duck, walks like, you know, it's probably a duck. Well, the same is true with fruit. If it um, is fruit of Christ-likeness, there's probably some connection there. And if, if there's no correlation to your life and the life of Christ, there's probably a pretty strong chance that there is no connection there. And in the end, that's not going to play out well. It identifies who are true believers. Jesus made that very clear. Another thing that Jesus said is that it proves, when you have much fruit, it proves that you're, whether you're truly his disciple or not. You know, um, there are some people that are probably Christians that will probably make it into heaven, but when we get there and, and God kind of displays all that was accomplished in and through their lives, you know, it says there's going to be some Christians who make it there as through passing through the flames. It's like they just made it through the flames and they showed up and they're just glad to be there. But um, that's different than being a, a true disciple of Christ. There's a verse Jesus said this at one point. Uh, this is John 8:31, And it's a, an important verse to us here at the firehouse. But Jesus said, um, he was saying to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, one translation says, if you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. If you continue following Jesus, if you stick to his word, his teachings, uh, to the end, then you're truly disciples of his. He was talking to believers, but he said, hey, you believers, if you follow me to the end, if you remain, if you stick with me, that's truly a disciple of mine. And that's what we're, we want to be disciples. That's what we're all about at the firehouse is not just to make believers, but to make disciples of Jesus Christ who live by his word. Uh, fruit is a sign of that. Another thing this says, uh, you know, whether you bear fruit or not determines whether your father relates to you in a, in a cut off this branch sort of way or in a cultivate this branch. You know, it says, um, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. And it goes on to talk about cultivating other branches that they bear more fruit. But you need to realize that depending on what's going on in your life, you're, you're, Jesus warned there's two ways that God will relate to us. And, you know, there's different people who say what that cutoff means, whether that's someone who got saved and then they, they're not saved anymore, or cutoff can mean, um, you know, someone who maybe pretended to be a Christian and found out later, you know, they never really were. They never really had life, the Christian life. Or maybe that they were someone who was a Christian and they just did never bore fruit. And so there's some different things on that. But all of those are either either because of your fruit, there's cultivation coming, good things coming, or there's getting cut off, and and that should be a real warning to us all. Another thing about fruit is that this passage here says, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. You know, your fruit and much fruit will glorify your Father, um, and it will prove that you're a follower, a true follower of Christ. And 
you know, you may wrestle with that, you may like that, you may not. I didn't write it, I didn't say it, I'm just telling you what Jesus said. It will prove whether you're a disciple and it will glorify the Father if there's much fruit. So the obvious question becomes, what, what is fruit? So, sounds good, I want to have much fruit, I don't want to get cut off, I don't want to be dead, whatever. Um, so fruit, what is fruit? Well, we're gonna, fruit in this sense is, uh, we're going to talk about it in, the, in the, the biblical sense that he's referring to in this chapter. Um, fruit in general, you can think about, I think, there's two real facets of fruit that we'll look at here. But one is the, the content of the fruit. What is the essence? What is this fruit made out of? The meat of the fruit, if you will. But then most fruit um, has an inherent property to reproduce as well. That is very common for fruit to be able to have seeds to reproduce. And so there's two facets, the content and the ability to reproduce. And so, um, you know, one, one of your blanks here is, uh, what is fruit in this sense is Christ-like character. How's Christ-like character going in your life? The verse here, Galatians, talks about maybe the fruit of the Spirit is one people think of. I think about uh, even Jesus teaching in John 13. He said, hey, here's how people will know you're my disciples. Your love, the love of your life will prove that it will show people this is one of my followers because of how they love one another. Um, but there's Christ-like character there. You, know, you probably heard the old saying, something like you, you sow a thought, you, you reap a choice. You sow a choice, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. And really... Um, your, your character, your choices, your habits, are, they have eternal ramifications. One, where you'll be for eternity, but two, what will be reflected and represented in your life there for eternity. There's huge ramifications of your character. Here's the fruit of the Spirit here. How is it going with your love and your joy, your peace, your patience? You have Christ-like patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are just a few uh, you know, attributes of Christ's character here, but it's enough to be really convicting real quickly. So, um, But another facet of fruit is, how's it going as, as it goes to, to reproducing the life of Christ, to introducing others to Christ? That's your blank there. Part of our fruit is introducing others to Jesus Christ. If He truly lives in us, we know He spent His mission was to draw people to Himself, to lay down His life to reach people. And He's still, by His Spirit, actively pursuing people today and is that happening in your life? Because it is what he really wants to do still. So um, this is a verse that speaks to that type of fruit. This one says, The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. That's, that's a facet of fruit. So these two, your character, and then um, you're using a, uh, being used to introduce or invite others to Christ, to meet Christ, to connect with Him like you have, if you have. So... Um, that's, that's what fruit is. Now we're going to look at a couple, maybe a couple errors to avoid here. We can fill out these blanks pretty quickly as well. These are some, when it comes to the subject of fruit, these are some attitudes we have to watch out for. These are some attitudes as a, a pastor over the last number of years that uh, I, I think people can tend towards pretty naturally. But one of the attitudes is apathy. You can put that in. It's the idea of undervaluing fruit. Ah, fruit, what's the big deal? I don't really think it's all a big deal. I don't know why this guy's thinking, making it a big deal. Well, that attitude would be an error as it compares to Jesus' teaching there. Fruit is a really big deal. Uh, and we just covered that. But watch out for apathy or, or maybe even ignorance. Maybe you just didn't realize, wow, it's a big deal the choices I make, the habits that I have, and, and how I do it reaching others. It, it is a big deal. We, we need to know that. Don't be in ignorance if, if you never heard that before. Another thing that we can have, and this is not uncommon to find annoyance, 
He's talking about fruit. Who is he to define fruit like that? I can't believe he dare say that it's about my character or about introducing the people to Christ. I was fine with fruit until you mentioned that whole thing there. You know, this, uh, I know I get a lot of feedback from people that say that they can take offense at that idea that fruit would be defined this way. But again, this is, I didn't make this up. I'm just sharing with you things from God's word here. Watch out for being annoyed at this idea of even asking this question. Watch out for redefining fruit into something that doesn't include your character or doesn't include your effect in reaching others. Sometimes we just redefine it. Yeah, fruit to me means, you know, I'm just a good person, happy person. I'm a Christian. I, you know, just make sure you don't define fruit differently than Jesus does because he's the one that's going to be evaluating that. Watch out for being annoyed about it. You know, sometimes our fruit actually ties into our, our maturity, you know, and, and that could be offensive as well. There's a verse we're going to look at that says, hey, because of maturity sometimes, spiritual maturity, we can bear no fruit. We're going to address that. And so we just have to realize there's some things here that why people can get a little offended about it. And maturity, uh, you know, um, there's kind of different principles. I, some of you might have heard the, the teaching, the classic teaching on this matter is called, uh, it's by Dawson Trotman, founder of the Navigators Organization. But uh, he's he's got a, kind of a classic work called Born to Reproduce. And he talks about how Christians have been designed to reproduce the Christian life, to introduce others into Christ as naturally as uh, a couple in marriage and, and everything. Uh, they are designed to reproduce. You have to prevent that from happening. Um, and so, but the same would be true. And he says, you know, there's really two ways to, uh, that in, in real life that people don't reproduce. One is... Um, Based on maturity, they're just not, you know, at that place, or obviously it requires a loving relationship. Marriage is God's design there. But if a, a, a boy or a girl or a man or a woman is not a, of the right age, they're not mature enough to, to do that. And the same can be true in the spiritual life. Another a thing would be if there's an abnormality, something that's not right would prevent naturally reproducing as God has designed it. Same is true in the spiritual life, and we have to be careful. You know, there's people who have been Christians for many, many years that maybe haven't matured spiritually. Physical maturity happens with time, you know, um, and some people there's different speeds and paces there. Emotional maturity, you don't have to be, you know, someone who has many years might not be emotionally mature. Same is true spiritually. We, it's something that is based on our choices and our character and our training and stuff there, so we, we have to keep that in mind. Another thing we have to watch for is arrogance. Sometimes if there's fruit in our life, we see something good happen and we can get a little puffed up about our role in that. And we're going to find out our role is actually pretty minimal in that. Though it's a big deal, our role is, is not as important as, as other things there. And so we have to be careful of being arrogant. We see a little something good happen and we can kind of be like, oh, there's a grape. Cool, man, this grape is awesome. I'm fruitful. This is cool. And the grape may turn sour. The grape may, you know, wither up. Uh, but sometimes we can kind of get caught up in a little good thing that happens and pride comes in and, and the fruit goes away. You know, and we have to watch out for that. Um, so I want to, before we transition to this next section, I just would like to get you to ask yourself this for a second. Uh, you might ask yourself, how is the fruit of my life going as it relates to Christ-like character, as it relates to introducing people to Christ? Maybe just take a moment and ask yourself, how's the fruit of my life doing just between you and the Lord there? Um, you might just think about that if he, he gives you any impression on your heart there. Um, another thing is, uh, ultimately it comes down to, would you like to have more fruit in your life? Would you like more fruit in your life? Because that's what this is about here. These verses, we're going to look at how Jesus said this could happen. So, um, 
Let's look at this next section here. We're going to talk about the source of fruit. Um, we'll use this verse here. Let's see how our blanks, hopefully we're plugging away and filling out our blanks here. Um, the source of fruit. Jesus said this, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Where does this fruit come from here? Well, Jesus makes it pretty clear. It has to do with being connected to him. If you want to bear the fruit of Christ-likeness, bringing others to Christ, it's got to come from being connected to Him. You know, I was just thinking about um, uh, this vineyard. This guy showed me how his, uh, his vineyard, he had all these plants there. The valley that we were in, the Russian River Valley, it specialized in the Pinot Noir grape. And, you know, because it has a real low temperatures at night, sometimes fog would come in from the bay and bring the temperatures low. And then during the day, the heat would heat it up pretty high. But for some reason, these Pinot Noir grapes really like that. And so he showed me all the plants that he had, but a number of them were, the way you planted them is you get this root. And uh, he said they had some of these vines, these, these types of grapes, uh, the vines were grafted to the roots. You stick them in the ground, and, and the root begins processing the nutrients and passing it to the vine. And... And then, you know, the Pinot Noir grape does its thing. The vine does its thing there. And so, but obviously if it wasn't connected to a root, you can just take a branch and drop it out there in the vineyard and it would not, wouldn't have anything happen in there. But same is true in our lives. If we're not connected uh, to Christ as the source of our lives, we can't expect to bear any, any fruit at all, anything Christ-like at least. Um, so to produce fruit, a disciple must abide in Christ. So you can write that down in your blank. Um, now, the obvious question becomes, what does abide mean? Abide is not a word we use too often. When was the last time you used abide in a sentence apart from John 15? You know, I think I was starting to think through some funny scenarios that you might try that. Like, imagine you were going to propose to your, your wife-to-be and, uh, and you just took a knee and said, you know, honey, would you abide with me for the rest of my life? You know, that we don't do that. But it's the same ideas of, of living together in a, in a close loving relationship, or a roommate, you approached your roommates and said, hey, hey Josh, you're moving from Chicago here, how would you like to abide with me in my abode down the street here? And, uh, and I don't know if Tyler approached you that way or not, that, you know, but you know, we just don't use that word too much, hey dude, let's go abide together, or something like that, you know, it's just, but it has, even though it's a word we don't use all that much, it has significant meaning packed into it, and it, it explains things that other words really don't, and so... Uh, we're we're going to stick with it. Plus, it's the word Jesus used here in the, in the New American uh, Standard. But um, we're going to look at some other things. What, what does this abide really mean? Um, you know, here's the Message Bible. It puts it like this. I, I like the, how this is paraphrased. You can catch the idea if abide doesn't resonate with you. It says, I am the vine. You are the branches. When, you are joined, when you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. There's an abiding, togetherness, intimate, a closeness, and, and it's organic. There's a, a realness to it, a naturalness to it. And so, um, but you know, here's some. What does it mean to abide? Some synonyms or, or some other translations. You know, the NIV says to remain, remain with me, remain in this relationship. Be do- joined to is another one. Uh, I think it's the Amplified that says live in vital union with me. Jesus says live in vital union with me. Um, Let's see what else we have here. You know, this is kind of along, uh, along the lines of some other things we see in the New Testament there, but it's the idea of even being filled with the Spirit. Abiding in Christ is almost the same thing of being yielded and controlled by the Holy Spirit of Christ. Um, it says stay in step with this Spirit, and that's, that's another idea of you're connected 
and you're in step, you're in unity with God's Spirit. And, um, you know, the blank we have there, I think, is to, to stay in a loving, obedient relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what abiding really means, to stay, to stay in, um, to have it, but also to continue in that union, vital union. I think there's, there's a life-giving uh, connection that you must have, and then you must stay in that and stay in union. And so um, that's some things of what it means to abide. We're going to try to get a few practicals here as well. Uh, how do you abide? I think this is a great verse related to that in the same passage here. But um, John fifteen seven it says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Remain in me and have my words in you and ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. And, and really I think that expresses some of the the practicals to abiding this abiding relationship. Um, and so, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, Doug was telling me about his vines and the grapes that he had there is that really two of the major components they had were um, their sunlight. You know, these vines, they stretch out their leaves. They absorb the sun. They do the photosynthesis that sends the things where they need to go and all of the above. He was a chemical engineer. He had a lot more, uh, and he was combining this wine world there. But... Um, you know, there's some things that just a vine soaking in the sun, it's required for there to be fruit. But then the other thing is that obviously from the root, they're pulling water and the uh, nutrients and things that come from the soil. And so this combination of the two is what causes the fruit to be able to, to be made, uh, the processes to happen that make and send the sugars to the fruit. And he was just talking about the importance of the sunlight and water with no sunlight you know, the, the grapes don't develop the same way. They don't, you know, get what they need. Or you have a lot of sunlight and no water, they don't get the nutrients and, and they die and shrivel up. And so you need both the sunlight and the water. You know, in some ways I liken that too. For a relationship with Christ, you need, you need His Word and you need prayer. This one here I think represents both. That verse says, you know, in this relationship you're going to need my words. If my words are in you and being a catalyst to this relationship, then, then ask, talk to me, pray. Uh, about anything that's on your heart. And there's this relationship between the Word and prayer that leads to the vital, uh, the fruit that, that he talks about here. And so I thought that was interesting just to kind of think about. Um, really, in, in bearing fruit, it has to do with the receiving of the, you know, the nutrients, the nourishing sap is how it's put in, in Romans 11 at one point. But you have to be receiving that as a part of the, a branch. And then you also have to be passing that on in order to bear fruit beyond you. And the same is true in our relationships. Are you receiving um, the nourishing life of Christ through your relationship? And are you passing it on? Because those are both required to bear fruit here. A um, great example of this is the uh, example of Mary and Martha in Luke chapter 10. Some of you know that. But um, it's, you know, just uh, it's talking about, um, I'll just read you a quick passage there. But um, I just kind of love the expression of this. It says, um, uh, they were traveling along, this is Jesus and the disciples. He entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're worried and bothered about so many things. But only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. But Mary, I think, was just a snapshot of what it means to abide. She was in the Lord's presence. I love it said she was seated. You know, sometimes to connect with God, you need to get still. 
You can't really connect with God if you're just busy and distracted and kind of going at this pop culture 100 miles an hour. You got to get still. You got to. You can even sit sometimes, and I know my mind can race and wander. And you got to sit still. And at His feet, I think it, it means the idea of uh, one: you're in His presence. Do you sit still enough to come into the presence of the Lord, who's with you by His Spirit? And sitting at the, the feet also means it's a it's a a learning position. It's a posture to learn from the one whose feet you're sitting at. That's what it meant in that day and age. And, and then lastly, though, is a listening. She was listening to what he said, listening to his word. And obviously, when you listen to someone, you, you can begin relationship and asking questions and responding to what you've heard. But I thought she had a great example of this, this abiding relationship. And all of those are hard to do, sitting still and, and being in the Lord's presence as a learner, and listening. Boy, if you can do those first couple things, that's, that's hard enough. And then to be just listening, and then to respond in obedience with whatever God puts on your heart. These are, that's the essence of getting this fruit we're talking about. Um, now we're going to wrap up things here, just lessons related to pruning. These are some of my favorite ones that I came away with. But here's a picture of a vine that's um, in the neighborhood. Um, how many of you think this looks like a healthy vine? No, yeah, good. Well, I was the only one that did, I guess, initially. Um, but, you know, this is a picture of vine just down the street from us, a couple blocks from here. And it is a big and bushy and green vine. But you can see it right in the middle of it, there's a bunch of dead branches. And there's a bunch of leaves. And, and the Lord only knows what sort of fruit is going to come from this thing. But sometimes the, the bushiest, most leafy vines are not the ones that bear good fruit. And I think we have to realize that even in churches, sometimes churches can have a lot of leaves and a lot of these branches that look like they're doing something, but when you boil down the fruit that comes out of them, um, sometimes it's not as much as the vineyard might you, you might expect from something like that. And, and I think that that's one of the things God wants us to look at as a church, to examine what, you know, what is our church all about? How are the individual branches doing, you know? We can talk about pruning in our church, but really it comes down to each one of us. This church is only made up of people, of you and me. And, and so if God's going to do some pruning, it, it means He's going to go through each one of our lives and look it over and see what needs to go and what needs to stay. And uh, that is definitely an overgrown vine there. Um, you know, and here, here's a... Let's see here. Here's one verse also Jesus talked about related to a fruit and, and why fruit doesn't develop. Really, pruning has to do with uh, is there something that's straining our receiving f- from the Lord and uh, something that's straining our passing it on? Is there something that's strangling that, choking it out? Jesus told another thing related to fruit. This one was more with wheat. Same idea, though, but he was talking about these plants. And he said, uh, the idea was as, as these people go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life, and they bring no fruit to maturity. You know, we can have our fruit choked out, strangled sometimes by some of these specific things here, he says, are, you know, uh, worries and riches and pleasures of this life. We'll talk a little more about that. But um, pruning brings about more and better fruit. I'm going to talk a little about um, this pruning here. Um, One of the things that he showed me that was really cool was with, um, you know, pruning, you just think, hey, you know, sometimes it's easy to think the more the merrier. If there's more people... Awesome. If there's more activity, great. That must be what God wants, just more, right? Well, when you look at the grapevine and stuff, you realize, well, no, that's, that's not true actually at all. He was telling me about the Pinot Noir grape. Um, in each of these little branches, you know, he kind of strung these branches through these wires in his, his kind of vineyard there. But um, each one of them 
would have about uh, two clusters of grapes per these branches. That's for the Pinot Noir. I'm sure each grape is different. But he said with those two clusters of grapes, then you had the rest of the, the branch would go. And he said in order to produce the sugars for good fruit for this Pinot Noir grape, you need to have 14 leaves beyond that uh, carrying out photosynthesis to absorb and process sunlight, combine that with the nutrients to, to send the sugars to the fruit. And he said with 14 leaves, you get the, just the right amount of things going to those grapes. Now, if you have more leaves, guess what happens? You know, we think leaves are good. Let's just add more green, right? Well, the more leaves you add beyond that, then you start taking away from the nutrients and the water and things that are required to actually send things to the same grapes. And those grapes actually with more leaves actually get less uh, sugars and become uh, less fruitful or the fruit is not as good. And, and I don't know, to me, I thought, when I thought of leaves, I thought about some Christian activities. Sometimes I, I think we just go, yeah, the more, the more things I'm doing, the more active I am, that's, surely that's what God wants. He just wants me to be busy, busy, busy. And, you know, I think there's a point where um, we can have too many activities to be fruitful. Now, the other side of the equation is true as well. Sometimes we can go, there are certain activities you need to do to, to do photosynthesis in the Christian life, guys. And so if you're not doing some of those, whether that's serving or being on mission or having worship together with other believers, um, if you're not having some activities, you're also not going to bear the fruit. And if you have too many, well, you're going to miss out on, on the best fruit as well. So part of pruning, he said, you know, he counts. He was counting. Okay, one day there, there's 14 right there. He's going to clip them all off at, at 14 leaves. And he, he goes, you know, that's about a certain height. So he just comes through and kind of clipping across all of those. And I thought, wow, that's, I just thought you wanted... More, more green, more leaves seems good to me. Obviously, I am clueless about wine. But um, another thing that he told me that I thought was very interesting was um, branches. You know, he's like, okay, well, so you have this thing start to grow. And I don't know if it's every year, but definitely initially he said you have these little shoots that pop up. I don't know what the name of them are, if they're stringers, runners. What's, what is that? Suckers, Suckers yep. And so uh, that's right. Um, so he said you have these, these green shoots that pop up, but they're called suckers. And he said, okay, here's, he showed me one example. There were three of these new little green tender things there. And I go, good, growth, good. You know, this is good. Your plant's going to do great. But he said, no, I've got to pick one of these. And I've got to break off the other two because they will steal the nourishment that would go to one branch. And they have to divide that three ways. Again, you don't bear the fruit to maturity that you'd like. And so he plucked off a couple of And I said, no, don't pluck off the branches. But, you know, he knew what he was doing. I feel so bad for each little green you know, there went his chance at life there, whatever, I don't know. But, um, but he plucked them off so that the, the vine could be fruitful. And I don't know about you, but I, I feel like this ties into relationships. And sometimes we just go, the more relationships I have, the merrier. You know, sometimes we can just be like, I want to have a hundred relationships with people. But when you look at um, Christ's life, you realize that's, that was not what he modeled. He went from, you know, he sent out 72 at once. We know he had the 12. We also know he circled things up with three. And if anybody could have had the more the merrier relationships, it would have been Jesus. He could have probably sustained hundreds or thousands of relationships, and he chose just a few so that he could focus on those. And, and I think there's a lesson for us to learn in this. Sometimes we, you know, relationships, there's really two sides of that. We can be the, the people person that has a lot of relationships with a lot of people, and, and yet they can be somewhat shallow because you can only do so much with so many people. 
Or we can be the opposite, where we're just like, I mean, I'm not a relational person. I, I don't have hardly any relationships with anyone. It's really hard to have a relationship. And, and guess what? Both, both of those are going to be really challenging to bear fruit in. And so we have to realize that it's, um, sometimes we need to prune and cultivate our relationships. We need to wisely prioritize our activities and, and our relationships. I encourage you to be thinking through what activities might not be bearing fruit in your life. What relationships might need to be reprioritized? Maybe discontinue or adjust lower priorities. Now, as a part of these lessons that I've been learning, I also took with me the book called um, The Art of Neighboring. And it's a book that they gave out at the pastor's conference last year. And we're going back to that in a week or two here. And I thought I should probably read that. And so, um, so, so I read it while I was on vacation. But, you know, he hits really heavily on prioritizing your relationships and your activities. There's two guys that wrote it or two pastors here in Denver. One of the guys was telling a story about his world. And he goes, you know, I want to befriend my neighbors. I want to have more uh, interaction with them, with my family. And he said, but he's got uh, a handful of kids, I think. And the oldest one is about middle school age. And this, this guy who was writing, um, he said he loves, loves, loves baseball. He played baseball. He coached baseball. Baseball is like his life. And and so his kid is now in the junior high years or middle school, whatever they call it nowadays. Um, but he said, you know, he saw the writing on the wall. There's really two routes before him when it comes to baseball. The competitive route, he said, uh, they will have to practice multiple times a week for the entire year to go down that. And you have to play nothing less than like 40 games in a year to, to get competitive, to just be anteed up in that world. He said in the recreational league, it's something like, you know, you get your six games in a season, your eight games in a season. But he just saw before him, uh, as far as activities go, he couldn't love on and develop relationships with his neighbors uh, as he would like if he knew he was running his son down this world. And so they decided to go the recreational route. And I think it has borne good fruit in his life and in his neighboring. I mean, probably so much so that he wrote a book about it. But, um, but when you think through your activities in your lives, you know, there is not a lack of options for activities. But there is a need to prioritize and to think through and decide, how is this going to affect my fruit, my relationship with God, my relationship with others? Um, we, we've got to think through that. You know, um, in relationships, we have to do the same thing. You know, this blank here is initiating and cultivating friendships. Friendships is the blank. can be challenging, but it will prove to be fruitful. Um, and that's initiating and cultivating. Sometimes, you know, again, there's a, uh, you can have too many relationships or you can have too few. But if you have too many, what you have to do is start thinking through, I only have so much time, and if I want to have greater depth in any of my friendships, I need to kind of pick where I'm going to invest. And I need to do some cultivating. And a couple of these cute little green shoots are going to have to get uh, less time, less resources from my life. And that's a hard thing to do. I remember just a story in my own life back in Fort Collins before we uh, brought a team down to start this church. I was heavily involved in the campus ministry. And there's hundreds of college-age people in the ministry. And, and I was just in the thick of discipling guys. And I just wanted to meet with everyone. I was on staff. And, um, you know, it was just kind of like, well geez, shouldn't he meet with everyone? He's the guy that's on staff, right? And, and eventually I realized this is not sustainable, and it, in some places it wasn't generating good fruit. And so I remember having to go through and go, you know what? There's a couple of good guys here. A couple, I loved them all. I wanted to spend time with all the, the guys I was discipling, but I had to have a couple hard conversations. I remember two guys that I was meeting with, both of them pretty involved in both their lives, and I realized I, I can't sustain this. And so I asked one of the guys, I said, hey, um, would you mind meeting more regularly with that other guy. I'm going to meet with him and uh, you know, just kind of see how life and that small group's going. And would you meet with 
him and we'll just kind of do this. And it was really hard because I loved them both dearly. And, you know, but it, it ended up, that small group became very successful and it grew and it multiplied. And one of the guys that I was investing in went on to become a pastor. The other guy, uh, dear brother, still is a church planter down in El Paso. But it was a really tough, tough conversation. And yet I knew God wanted me to prioritize. And, and so, um, you know, I encourage you to look through your relationships. You know, we're not a large enough church where we go, we've got hundreds and hundreds of relational options here, right? Um, but on the other side of it, I do think uh, even without a, a ton of options, we've got to pick a few places where we go, I, I'm receiving encouragement and something from someone, and I'm passing it on to someone else. Uh, some of you know John Maxwell, who's written on leadership. We had a guy that he discipled speak to us once named Tim Elmore. But, but Tim said the way John Maxwell did a lot of his relationships, he said, he was going to meet with the guy, but he said, hey, look, I'll meet with you once a month or whatever they agreed upon. But he's like, I'm not going to meet with you unless you make a commitment to meet with someone else, meet to encourage someone else to bless and pour into someone else. I'm not just going to meet with you. He's like, I can't afford to do that. I've got to have relationships that are multiplying and have a depth to them. And so, um, you know, and, and I think as you think through, you got to, are you investing in anyone? Um, and can you pursue someone? Or do you have anyone that you, maybe you've asked to, to invest in you? And I know as pastors and leaders, we're trying to think through how is this going to look. Uh, I think we're a, a church of a great size. I think we've got a lot of leaves. I think we've got a lot of branches. But I also think God wants to prune us for better fruit, um, that, that it's not just a lot of leaves and a lot of branches and the same amount of fruit. Uh, I think he wants to, to cultivate some things here. And um, you know, another side of that, just to be thinking through again, if you're not naturally, sometimes I'll bump into people that say, you know, I'm just not a people person. Uh, I just don't do relationships well. You know, that's just not my thing. And I, I want to let you know, if you don't, that's going to be a problem for your fruit. Because fruit comes entirely. It's all based on relationship. All of it. Your relationship with God, your relationship with the lost, your relationship with the saved. And if you don't do that naturally, uh, you better figure out how to do that supernaturally. You know, that's what our relationship with God is anyways. And if you do that naturally, there's, there's also a challenge there. If you're just a real people person, you connect with everybody, all of a sudden you realize, you know, maybe it's time to have some of these relationships get greater depth. Um, and I'm going to have to let a few of them go. I'm going to have to prioritize. And um, it's also going to mean initiating in relationships. You know, we're a church that we're not humongous. We're not a mega church. How, how is the fruit and stuff going in other churches? I don't know. Do they have more leaves, more branches? That's not my deal. My deal is this little vineyard and what's going on here. But I, but I know sometimes when you look over fruit in your life and you think about fruitful relationships, often we think about the ones that were successful, right? We go, ah, oh, boy, I remember investing in, in this guy and, and he led a guy to Christ, led a guy to Christ. He multiplied a small group. He's, you know, I think about investing in this guy named Brandon Poland back in the days out at CSU. And now he's a pastor leading a church down in Phoenix. I think about investing in Aaron Ritter. And he's a pastor in Fort Collins. And I go, ah, oh, boy, those are the great, glorious fruit stories. But you know what? What I guess we don't talk about sometimes. I feel like when I was reviewing my notes today, the Lord reminded me of this. But, you know, for every one of those stories, do you know how many stories there are of people that I initiated with that it just didn't go that well? That I spent time with someone and they decided, nah, following Jesus is not really for me. Or, you know, I, I don't know, you guys just take uh, living by the Bible a little too seriously. Or, you know... Uh, there's dozens and dozens of people over the years that I initiated with, that I, I was vulnerably trying to invest my life with them, and it didn't pan out. And so sometimes I think we sit around and just go, oh, I'm waiting for the perfect person. God, just send me, send me an angel that needs to be discipled, you know. And, uh, and, and that, 
How often does that happen? Is that going on in your world right now? You know, if it's an angel, you might ask them to give you a few tips or something. I don't know. But, um, but it just doesn't happen quite like that. We've got to initiate, and we've got to see, is this bearing fruit or is this not? But we're at a place where, well, I don't think it's like we're slicing it. You know, boy, I have so many hundreds of friends that want to follow Christ. I just got to limit it. I think we've got to initiate more. I think we've got to put ourselves out there in the overflow of our relationship with Christ. And sometimes we give a pitch on fruit, and people are like, Ah, I gotta go back to the same old people that I've been reaching out to for years. Yeah, well, maybe, but you know what I'd suggest? Looking for some, some new shoots, some new relationships to cultivate. Not just going to the same old one. If they haven't been interested for 10 years, they're probably, you know, not interested now. And if they are, well, maybe you invest time there. But if they're not, I know your father wants fruit from your life. Fruit of, of, of you growing, but a lot of our growth comes when we help somebody else grow. And so we've got to figure that out here. And uh, I encourage you, initiate. Look for new relationships. As an overflow of your, your uh, water and your sunlight. You know, I love that verse. He says, if you're, my words are in you and uh, you remain in me and, and you ask, whatever you, you want, it will be given to you. Do you want to have fruit in your life? Do you want to have relationships, new disciples, cultivating friendships that have fruit? We need to be asking God for that because I'm positive He wants to do that. Um, you know, we have to remove, make sure we remove weeds. This last one here is just, um, it was fun talking to this guy about um, pruning, you know, chopping things off that are taking, taking the nutrients away from other places. But another thing this guy had to deal with was, um, you know, weeds and things like that. In the vineyards, he had weeds. His was an organic vineyard, and so they couldn't use Roundup on everything that moved because that's not as organic as it could be. Um, but so, you know, he had to just kind of take his uh, lawnmower through, through the lanes here, and he had to uh, do things. There are only certain chemicals you can use. And, um, but there's things that would choke out the fruit. The, the weeds uh, and the grasses that grow there, uh, they're stealing the same nutrients that a vine needs. So you have to figure out how to, how to mitigate those. And um, uh, he also told me about gophers. You know, I don't know if you know, gophers are an enemy to grapevines. If you know that already, I did not know that uh, all I know, gophers came from the movie Caddyshack, I think. And so, uh, but, um, you know, this guy's battling gophers. And, and so he has this fence that goes around his property. It goes three feet down because when the gophers try to get through it, they hit that fence and they decide to go somewhere else. But, um, you know, he, he was dealing with those. But those get to the roots of a grapevine and they chew up the roots and they destroy the vine and obviously you lose the fruit. And, and yet we have those things in our lives as well. You know, pruning in a lot of ways is the difference between good and better and best. Um, but weeds and, and gophers are, we're not talking about good, better, and best. We're talking about things that are just bad. They're not healthy. They're not helpful for what we're trying to do. But we need to eliminate those from our lives. If you have activities that are, are dead-end activities, if you have sin and habits that are worldly and unhealthy, you know, that's going to strangle your relationship with Christ. It's going to strangle your relationship with others. You're not going to have the heart that you need to do what you need to do to bear fruit. And so... We need to look through our lives for worldly, unhealthy, unfruitful activities and relationships. Encourage them. Encourage us all. There's the thorns, the weeds, the gophers. Um, you know, again, Jesus said specifically, are there worries or fears? Sometimes we don't bear fruit in the lives of others because we're afraid of people. We, we fear man. And, oh, they might get offended. This might ruin my relationship. Well, it might. And you might bear fruit. But it's, gonna, it's probably going to have to overcome fears to do that. Sometimes riches and money and things related to finances can keep us weighed down from bearing fruit. Uh, sometimes it's the pleasures of this life that distract us from things that please God. And, and we, need to, we need to weigh it all out here. We need to eliminate anything that steals your time, your affection, your attention. 
from God. You know, First uh, John five twenty one. John wrote, you know, and by the way, he said, "My dear children, get rid of idols." And um, you know, idols. One definition is just anything that takes takes your heart away from God. And so we need to eliminate. And I just want to take a moment here before we wrap up, just to ask you to. Um, just get still for a bit and ask God, God, is there anything that needs to be pruned from my life? God, is there anything you want to get rid of from my life? Just take a moment and write down anything He gives you there and then we'll close. Here's one other picture I took in this vineyard here. That um, This one, you, you might not be able to see it, but it's, it's a little vine. It's been grown for a couple years, and it has three branches on it that he's cultivated, three branches that are growing and have the right number of leaves and are bearing fruit on them. And, you know, in some ways I took a picture of this just thinking about this summer as we're exploring three options as a church, three locations. Um, in some ways, I think it represents that idea. You know, we need to get some... Uh, not just uh, more leaves, more activities, more relationships. We need to get more fruit. And that comes from um, having vines that are are healthy and well-balanced and things like that. And so uh, we're going to be once a month, just some of you, again, you've heard, but once a month we're going to meet in three locations. And the goal of that is some people go, well, that just, it's just so hard. It just doesn't seem right. I really like what I have here. Um, You know, one of the things the guy told me about his vineyard, he said, you know, Sometimes when you stress the vines in the vineyard, they don't get maybe all the water that they, you know, they're not getting excessive water or things like that. He said, stressing the vines is really good for the fruit because they kick into this mode that's extremely efficient and they make really good fruit. And, you know, I was listening to him talk. This guy was not a Christian at all, but I'm just listening to him go like a circuit breaker went off in my head. I'm like, you know, what if our father, the, the gardener, says, you know what, guys, what I've wired into you as a branch is that sometimes when things get really hard, you really cling to me. You really lean on me in such a way that you bear fruit like you never could any other way. And it gave me a perspective on trials that I was like, wow, that's a, that's a, a thought I never had before. But sometimes God allows stress. Maybe it's the stress of going, three locations, you know, but I really like this location. Um, you know, there's one church, we're exploring three locations, we're going to do it for three months. At the end of three months, we might say, that was the dumbest thing we ever did. Um, we might say, we're starting three new locations of this one church. We might just keep doing that every month just to have vines that are healthy and stretching out into other neighborhoods and bearing fruit there. We don't know what's going to happen, but we feel like God's leading us into that. There's many unknowns, and that might stress some of you out. Um, there's many inconveniences. You know, Yeah, but this one's just right there, and... I love Ned's coffee, and you know, um, yeah, there's going to be probably some inconveniences as we look and explore three locations. But I'm I'm betting there's possibilities for greater fruit as well, just even in going through this exercise. And I encourage you to have faith and just to ask God um, to prune your life, that you might have more connection with His source, and um, that you might bring more glory to the Father. Let's pray. Uh, let's all be praying that. But Lord Jesus, we do just. Thank you for your wisdom, Lord. Thank you that you knew all the intricacies of a vine and uh, how that relates to our relationship with you, Lord. I pray for each one of us. Lord, I ask that you would 
Help us to work together with you as you try to prune our lives, that we wouldn't fight you, we wouldn't resist you, we would get rid of those habits, get rid of those things that are unhealthy, relationships that are dragging us down. Lord God, I pray you would prune our lives and help us work with you on that. Lord, I pray we'd have more of you in our life, that we would have be more connected to you as our source because you promised that we'd bear much fruit from that. Lord, I pray that we would bring you more glory. Um, by proving to be your disciples and by leading others to you. And Lord, I just pray you'd prune this church, Lord, in a way that brings you much glory. We just ask for all this, Lord, help us to hear from you, help us to respond obediently to you as, as you speak to us, as you teach us. We just pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys for, for coming this morning here, and we'll catch you Father's Day next week. And also Wednesday night right here, Dennis Clark is doing a evangelism training, so hope to catch you there as well. But have a great rest of your day.